to Don't You Want Me, a podcast series taking a light-hearted look at the most relatable, intriguing and dysfunctional relationships in film. I'm Rich. I'm Kat. Yes or no? Of course, yes. What's involved? You will be contacted with the assignment. The codename of your contact will be Boris. And your codename will be... Natasha? No. Doris. In this episode, we're galloping in to spy on 1994's huge Arnie vehicle, True Lies. Written and directed by a little-known chap named James Cameron, this movie was based on the French 1991 comedy La Totale and became the third highest-grossing film of 1994. Jamie Lee Curtis won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Motion Picture Musical or Comedy, Cameron was given the Saturn Award for Best Director, and The Horse was shamefully overlooked. Tonight we'll be rewinding our Walkmans with Harry, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and ripping off our sleeves with Helen, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Are these two one of the most intriguing married couples in 90s cinema? This gun's for hire, even if we're just dancing in the dark. Love a bit of the boss. I know, yes. me too. <laughs> Funny watching this film now and, and as we talked last year about Casino Royale, how this was kind of an attempt to fill quite a large gap between Bond movies and th- there was a play and obviously Schwarzenegger's involved um, about the concept of a spy, a secret agent being a family man. Mm. And it's interesting because there's so many aspects to this film that we're not necessarily going to touch upon too much being that we're looking at the relationship here but the very essence of having you know an elite secret agent of an american version of james bond if you will uh, who just happens to be married with a kid and his cover as such is just what strikes was the most dull existence ever and deliberately so yeah yeah it's amusing that arnold schwarzenegger and jamie lee curtis in the 90s were these drab very middle class couple who have supposedly boring jobs and uh, yes. and he could get away with being a spy for i think it was 17 years he said which was longer than they'd been to uh, than than they'd been married so it's wow. um, quite a good effort to keep a secret that long don't you think yeah that's a long time isn't it i think it's a really interesting premise because uh, as we talked about when we've done some of the other films in the action genre as part of this series we've we've sometimes shed a bit of light on those questions that they throw up about how if a guy is spending so much of his time being a hero what must he not have time for at home and i really like how this one actually sort of shows you the results of um you know, I mean, that just typical dilemma when you're spending a lot of your days on a horse in a hotel lift, who's getting bored at home? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've got in trouble before for mentioning hotels on, on numerous occasions <laughs> on, on this and other podcasts, but um, it is a weird kind of parody of suburban life as well when you can make Jamie Lee Curtis... So, I mean, the, it's like one of those kind of butterfly chrysalis movie, like teen movies where you put an attractive girl in glasses and all of a sudden she's ugly and in need of a makeover before she's rescued by a boy. And here you've got mm. Jamie Lee Curtis in a lot of brown and a lot of floral prints and, and these 
large, not quite Deirdre Barlow glasses. I'll give her that. But, um, you know, I think she's like a legal secretary or something. And then the idea that Schwarzenegger is this computer salesman who goes to a lot of conferences. And one of the jokes she said to her friends was, if I'm having trouble sleeping, I ask him about his day. (laughs) I mean, again, it's a very good, I suppose, commentary on married life. Other than some of the bits where I think the, the time where he walks into Helen's office to take her out for lunch when, mm. when he finds her on, that she's on the phone and, and he walks in. But he's clearly I mean, because this is Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 90s, that suit of his is not cheap. That haircut is not cheap. This is not a guy who looks like he buys his suits on the high street and gets his haircut, at, you know, your local sheep shearers. This is yes. um, I think that's about the only the most unbelievable part of it is the way that he carries himself as a Hollywood A-list megastar. Yes, I, he doesn't have the Christopher Reeve sort of range, does he? Where Because it were in our Superman episode, we talked about how Christopher Reeve is able to somehow, really without changing his appearance that much, shrink, shrink down to a Clark Kent and then kind of, you know, sort of, and then straighten himself up and he's Superman and how kind of amazing it is to, to just see that little sort of subtle tweaks that he does to his performance but Arnie is a very different kind of actor isn't he yes <laughs> to <laughs> put it mildly um I, I think I, I mean it's one of these things where I mean we've talked about on, on other things about how Sylvester Stallone is actually quite a good actor sometimes yeah and I think Schwarzenegger does have certain talents and I think he's better at comedy than some give him credit for and he's been in some funny films you know with twins and and we well we talked before we started recording about uh junior which came out the same year and that yes maybe the, which I saw at the cinema yeah oh you lucky girl I know yeah. so I saw this <laughs> and you saw junior I wonder if they were on the same day or something like that. I think you won. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, you've got to see tear-jerking Emma Thompson dra- drama comedy. Um, Is it tear-jerking? I can't remember. I don't know. He cries when he has the hormones from being pregnant. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. And I'm sure some okay. of the comedy is probably quite tearful these days. I don't know how much yes. of it has aged particularly well. Okay. I mean, watching this, when you look at the chemistry between Helen and Harry. It's strange, you know, in what we've watched over the last many episodes we've done, and you're watching a film where the chemistry is artificially bad. Um, Yeah. The whole aspect of their life is that it's so mundane and that they've been married for however long that, that their relationship has got to this point where they have apparently zero chemistry. And yes. it's, it's an interesting way around it because normally we talk about, especially romantic relationships anywhere, where there is either a very instant apparent chemistry or there's something that has to be worked on. And in this case, that spark has appeared to have gone. Yes, I see. And it lends itself to the narrative. Um, as, as the Because my, my knowledge of Arnie films very patchy how in terms of that thing that you're describing the thing of you know a chemistry with a leading lady and uh the relationship between them being quite central to the action can you tell me anything about how this sits in terms of his filmography and how unusual this is as a premise for a film i mean when you look back at his 
up till well up till this point anyway a lot of the the movies he'd been in there weren't many that he was in a relationship in um i mean total recall he was as part of his dream married to sharon stone or as part of his implanted memory he was married to sharon stone and it turned oh, out I she see. was okay, like a yeah. double agent and you know again to signpost people to our eternal sunshine of the spotless mind episode where we mm. talked about total recall but um but prior to that there were a couple of leading ladies that there wasn't a huge chemistry with i suppose the the running man or even commando where he kidnapped a woman to help her rescue his daughter and they ended up i don't know it wasn't even apparent that they were in a romantic relationship at the end which says okay. a lot really yeah yeah this was one of the first ones where he he was into that that thing um i suppose in twins he was a virgin and lost his virginity to uh to kelly preston in a motel room so again you know not a premier in so oh god i said it <laughs> uh, but yeah and again when when you look at the the kind of filmography of schwarzenegger from the kind of early to mid 80s into the 90s and then you look at jamie lee curtis where yeah you know for that part that little run in in the 80s where she was enormous i yeah. mean we we talked about her on on the beatamax episode about uh, a fish called wanda yeah you know. which is a really interesting one compared to this one yeah. yeah and you can see where where she goes and, and how her relationships in film were all in those films anyway like that and trading places for example were kind of built around an artifice as well it's an interesting thing to think about the Arnie phenomenon and knowing how incredibly big he is when he makes this film. And it's such a phenomenally expensive film to make and they put him at the centre of it. And um, it's quite interesting as a casting decision when, even though it's a huge action film, the central relationship between him and his wife is kind of the heart of it. Um, and so when I was watching it, I was thinking... I totally get the Arnie charm. It's not that that's lost on me. I laughed a lot, I think, particularly during the first hour of the film. And um, there's something about his sort of strangeness as a star that I um, I appreciate. But, but at the same time, as you say, there's something about the fact that you're kind of going to invest in a film of this scale and the centre of it has to be this married couple and you're going to make it so that they yeah they the the relationship that you imagine between them you have to see it come back to life don't you the fact that they engineer the spark being lit again on the basis that she was on the cusp of having an affair yeah um and again it's kind of that I'll say a trope or stereotype but the bored housewife and the used car salesman it's a little bit like something out of a only fools and horses episode right? <laughs> yeah um and bill paxton oh, amazing always always amazing <laughs> i mean he's, he's in virtually every james cameron movie anyway and it was nice that he got a decent role here yes he does it very well yeah i mean his because he's the the, the irony is and probably misused irony there is that he pretends to be a spy taking credit for harry's achievements and and his kills and all this stuff in order to to get helen's interest so yeah. the fact that he's then caught out and the the way they engineer by coercing helen into helping well say helping 
coercing Helen <laughs> into a hotel room. <laughs> and then ultimately, at the end of the film, she turns out to be a spy herself. You know, very yes. Her career change has gone very quickly, but um, it's it's an interesting device to get from A to B. Um, their their marriage gets on track because she had an affair, ish, and because she then ended up in in the espionage f- story. Because I think the the film's plots where you've got the relationship, and you've also got the plot with the nuclear weapons that's going on in on on the other side of it. They kind of are quite separate for the first two thirds of the film. Uh, There's very little to keep them together and then they come together um, in the end. But um, I think it it worked as a device. I think it will work quite well. I think not having seen it for a long time and, and watching it with a different pair of eyes, it gives you a bit of a refreshing chance to to watch it. And you're not focused on the plot of the, the weapon so much especially in the first half, it's almost irrelevant to what to, yeah. to our needs anyway. I'm sure there are people listening are going, talk about the bombs and the shooting and the killing. <laughs> well, it's it's asking interesting questions about masculinity, isn't it? Mm. Because you have the, the uh, Bill Paxton's character is so, is so kind of like this um, pickup artist, isn't he? <laughs> he probably have his own series of YouTube videos now about <laughs> how to how to come on to women. If you really want to close escrow, well, you got to have an angle. Suppose you have an angle. <laughs> it's killer. I mean, look at me. I'm not that much to look at. No, 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 I can be honest. But I got them lining up. And not just the skanks either. Well, some are. So what's the angle? <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Trade secret. Okay. Just ask yourself. What do women really want? You take these bored housewives married to the same guy for years, they're stuck in a rut. They need some release. Promise of adventure, a hint of danger. I create that for them. So basically, you're lying your ass off the whole time. You see, I couldn't do that. <laughs> what are you, a boy scout? No, no, no. Think of it as playing a role. It's fantasy. It doesn't sound as if her husband has been being particularly good, does it? No. I think the fact that he forgets, and, and this goes on throughout as well, when... Tom Arnold's character Gibb has to essentially spoon feed Harry with information around his family. He has to remind him how old his daughter is. He yeah. forgets to get her a gift or, or the, the kind of the cover, the legend of his thing is that he was on a conference in Switzerland or something and had to bring her a gift. And all these things that because he's off busy saving the world and everything, but it's the issue where his family isn't really his cover except his cover is the cover is his job the the computer salesman side but he still he doesn't seem particularly attentive he doesn't seem particularly knowledgeable about what his daughter's up to I mean bear in mind I think she's 14 see I know more than him (laughs) yes there's that odd exchange isn't there between him and Bill Bill Paxton about about whether or not she will have lost her virginity. That's all a bit strange. Yeah, and it's that kind yeah. of stuff where Schwarzenegger still sees her as a young child, where yes. she's a 14-year-old yes. girl, and as Gibb nudges him regularly, you know, saying she's 14, therefore she's having all these urges and changes and, and so on. So it is easy to see, because I, I don't know if if that kind of relationship where he is off busy at conventions and selling computers to other computer men 
is um, would leave the same kind of dark holes in your knowledge, but you'd like to think you'd know how old your child is. Yes, that mm. would be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and even and I think that I mean it's more of a joke than than a, an oversight is that when Helen talks about sleeping with a plumber to get a reduction on a bill, I mean that's a joke. I think has been done a hundred times, but yeah. the fact he goes, oh, well done for saving us money. I mean, it's financially <laughs> yeah. frugal. I mean, I, I credit him for that. It does sound as if he's been completely absent, both physically and emotionally. But then when he finds out that she might be having an affair, his instinct, you know, isn't to go and talk to her. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, go kind of go and um, deploy all of his resources to you know, have all of the phones tapped and um, to go and interrogate her with his mate, you know, mm. you know, all of that is, it's kind of in- interesting as a way of kind of, because it's the film very much kind of treats that it feels, um, yeah, the sanctity of marriage, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much of a bad or absent husband you've been. Uh, if you think that she might be even slightly interested in someone else, then you've got all the rights to just kind of pull out the big guns, you know. I mean, it's amazing. It's it's not clear this government agency that he works for, where Charlton Heston is his boss. Yeah, it's it's not clear at what stage of of law enforcement they are, and you know, we're, we're not talking austerity times of budgets here, where some of the operations they do are based in suites at glamorous hotels and and things like that but the fact that he's able to deploy illegal wiretaps helicopters sort of armed response teams in order to chase his wife and her (laughs) mustachioed lover into a trailer park (laughs) and then he allows her in there with him and kind of allows her to be molested by the guy which is yeah, weird too. You'd think that you just would try try not to let that happen if you knew that she was being conned. But then I suppose his law enforcement perspective might be: I need to catch the, I need to get the evidence. I you see. Because yes. then, when yes. he does lay eyes on them, Bill Paxton's kind of in between her legs on the sofa after he's fallen. Yes. And and his <laughs> his eyes through the balaclava kind of rage. Like Ron Burgundy's when he gets the fire in there. Yeah. They get Jamie Lee Curtis to do so much screaming in this film. She's um, living up to her scream queen yeah. uh, reputation very much hmm. in this. Yeah, it's it's amusing. I mean, the, the scene I, I do remember laughing at one of the, the most was when, um, as part of his discovering about this Simon used car salesman is when he goes out for a drive or a test drive in, in this sort of uh, midlife crisis mobile <laughs> the uh, the scene where Simon is talking about clearly talking about Helen and uh, Harry just well punches him and knocks him out and then you see very quickly it was just a, a very short dream sequence and yes. he's actually laughing away with this cackle which is just hilarious yes. It's like a dying plant just needs a little water. Married to some boring jerk. Married to some boring jerk. Yeah, you know, he doesn't appreciate her. She's like all these babes. You get their pilot lit, they can suck start a leaf blower. <laughs> oh, God, she's got the most incredible body and a pair of titties make you want to stand up and beg for buttermilk. Ass like a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> so, some of the language used to describe Helen is uh, somewhat questionable, but then it's uh, all... all 
it's the 90s between two grown men. What do you expect? <laughs> I mean, at that, um, it's an interesting one. I think that they have, they kind of rely on sort of spectacularly sleazy nature of Bill Paxton's performance quite heavily, really, because in order for you to feel sympathetic enough to Harry, you've kind of got to get the other guy to be really really quite full on and and you know like because because the thing is um like gib does say to him does it when when he says oh i think she might be having an affair he says she's a flesh and blood woman and you're never there so it's only a matter of time like this is the kind of strange things like even though you know gib is this cheeky ridiculous psychic every now and again he'll he'll sort of point out to harry just like you know what what are you doing? And then when Harry says, I want all the phones tapped, he says, what? You've gone insane. You can't do that. <laughs> and then when Gib um, helps to get, um, to get uh, Helen into the, into the hotel, he says to himself, well, I'm really going to hell, you know, <laughs> like that's the, it, that's the, it's interesting watching it play out because quite often you think Harry, Harry seems like someone who's just completely been ignoring his wife. And then as soon as sort of jealousy takes hold, he goes completely mad. <laughs> but we're meant to kind of see him as our sort of, as our protagonist, as, as, as the kind of the, the guy that we're, we're all rooting for. I don't know. What do you, how, how do you think the film sees him? I mean, that, that is kind of like a caveman scenario, isn't it? Where she's his property and he gets aggrieved because someone else is showing her attention. Um, yeah. Men, honestly. Oh, we, we, Sorry. We are awful. We are awful. Um, <laughs> and, and the way that Tom Arnold's casting as Gib was his most famous thing in, in the US at the time was that he was going through a bitter divorce with Roseanne Barr. Yes. And that was kind of what got him the job here because he talked and, and the line that he used at one point was almost verbatim what he said about Roseanne was what kind of a sick bitch takes the ice cube trays out of the freezer yes and yeah. the fact that he was a multi or well I don't know if he was then but obviously by now I mean, he's divorced on numerous occasions and and that and they refer to that in the film where they say he's, he's had three divorces mm, yeah this is the when the this guy is the moral compass and he's very much the, the Jiminy Cricket to, to Harry's Pinocchio. And he sits there and is, like you say, he's this comedy sidekick a little bit, but he does try to plant Harry in a reality that because yes. it's Schwarzenegger, we, we want to see Schwarzenegger get mad, you know, when he smashes the window because Gibbs hidden a page from the wiretap transcript. Yeah, which is very funny. Well, it is, yeah. And, and the fact that Gibbs, kind of doesn't you know he's trying to dissuade him from all these extravagant tactics of espionage and yet happily goes along with it to some degree because yes. he wants to he wants to be involved it's um yeah as you mentioned there that the scene in in the hotel room that that gib said he was going to hell for um yeah. i mean this is probably the iconic and most memorable and well-known scene in the film Yes, absolutely. Um, and certainly in the run-up to the film, it was like the big thing it was hyped around. Mm, yes. Which is an interesting one because Helen has to pretend to be a prostitute and dance for a, I can't remember, was a person of influence anyway, which was Schwarzenegger in, in, a, in darkness with a tape recorder. She then has to dance for him and it all gets very 
It goes from very meek. Yeah, and they've interrogated her before that, haven't they, as well? It's a kind of lead up to that. Yeah, and, and that was what led to this. You know, she was being essentially held in a, a windowless room, interrogated, and, and as a way of kind of saying, if you don't do this for us, your husband and daughter will never see you again. Yes. Give her a choice there, go on. I mean, something that I, I think is quite fascinating about that is that there's something about her being her being the wife and the role of a wife in a big mainstream James Cameron film like this where when i was watching that scene play out of her of her dancing i was thinking because i hadn't i hadn't seen it for ages and i think i'd only seen it once before but i i i i expect for her when she goes into that room to clock that it's her husband and then to do the dance in the context of knowing who he is but to kind of teach him a lesson. But she doesn't. She still, she does the whole thing completely against her will, as you say, because she thinks that she's going to go to prison and her life will be ruined if she doesn't. In this scenario, there's something about how normalised it is about the fact that we're going to enjoy this incredibly sexy scene, knowing that the character is doing it completely against her will. Yeah. It's quite odd. She's being exploited by her husband for his own gain in the hope that yeah. it reignites their marriage. Um, now, I mean, I, I, I'm no dancer. I've, I've you know, <laughs> made this clear before. Um, when she turns up at the hotel room and she's wearing this, I mean, she was told to dress sexy on the phone and turns mm. up in this dress that is around the sleeves. Yeah, I thought that it might be a bit of a nod to the dresses that they wear in, that her dad and Jack Lemmon wear in something like it hot. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and she decides once she gets there, you know, it's like, oh, rip, rip the poofy bits off. And, and it's this little black dress and she pours the water from the flowers on her hair and all wet look stuff. And this beautiful scene. I, really, I, think, I do think that's the best scene. That's my favourite scene in the film. It's just like, it's just beautifully shot. I, you know, this is the weird thing. On one hand, I can kind of think James Cameron is sort of irritating in some respects. But in that scene, you think, oh, he does, he does, he really knows how to, how to frame a scene, doesn't he? So I mean, cinematography and everything. yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing about you know this isn't director pod, is it? You know, we we don't talk about that a lot. But no, when no. you look at a lot of the films that he's done, they always look great. Yeah. From one point of view, I mean, when we talk about female characters that he's directed, I mean, he directed Aliens with with Sigourney Weaver. Now, admittedly, she was already this was a sequel, so she was already kind of established as this strong-willed woman who was kind of against the odds of men not listening to her and she was the one who came out on top but yeah she had a lot more agency about her whereas it took jbd kurtz's character about 90 percent of the film before she really discovered that yeah and and in this scene in the in the hotel room i mean she does the dance and Mm. she's told to get on the bed Dance sexy. Let your hands be all over hands on your own skin as you move. You know, she made it clear, or it was made clear to her, he'd just be dancing. It was just for him to watch. And because Schwarzenegger's sitting there, obviously enjoying this live show that his wife's putting on in her best underwear and wet look hair and all that stuff. I mean, I'm amazed. I mean, I don't know what's going through his head. I mean, I guess this may be what we're trying to think about. <laughs> At what point was she going to realise it was him and not go fucking mental? Completely. I That was the weirdest <laughs> bit. I kind of thought, like, when she 
banged him over the head with a phone. Yeah. And kids, this was a proper phone, not a mobile. And this, um, <laughs> and he, you know, she realised it was him. I mean, what, was she hoping, oh, you're so romantic. What a gesture. Let's go to bed. It's not, you kidnapped me and <laughs> interrogated me and made me, you know, essentially humiliating her to do this sexy dance. Yeah. And touching her on the face with a rose and all that. And then all of a sudden she melt because it's a movie and go, oh, my hero. I don't think it's going to work quite like that, Harry. I don't think, yeah. No, he does. He looks very, he looks, yeah, he does look a little bit ignorant about how, I was going to say how women work, but actually how humans work mm. <laughs> at that moment. I mean, when you look at his, Cameron's filmography and, and the romantic moments between the characters, I mean, there's, I know you said you haven't seen the first Terminator, so I won't spoil that, but there no. was a love scene there that was a little bit strange in context, albeit completely, absolutely essential to the plot. Um, okay. Yeah. Whereas we forward a couple of years and you've got Titanic and whatever their names were, Kate Winslet and DiCaprio in mm. the steamy car with the hand on the window and all. <laughs> We're going to have to do that one at some point, aren't we? It probably are. I have to say, I, I, I much prefer this film to Titanic. Oh, so. yeah, me too. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but this film was lacking Billy Zane. No, that so. is true. That's true. It's a good point. Um, also, I mean, I think that that, that whole, even if, you t- even if you take the kind of dark aspect out of that, that scene, I mean, I think, I think that she, that Jamie Lee Curtis, a lot of it hangs, I think, on Jamie Lee Curtis because she, as an actor, is very um her presence is very confident and very assured and um so even though she can play vulnerability very well you kind of um you all you never you know even and that's why you know she's also really good in in halloween and everything is because there's some there's something about her as a presence where you kind of feel an internal power which means that you you kind of root for her and you there's something in you that um thinks that she might make it in the end even when she's put in the quite sort of um perilous circumstances so i think that that kind of stays with you when you're watching the dance and she's so incredibly sexy but also very funny in the scene where she's dancing isn't she because she um grips the post of the bed and she's sort of doing a doing a pole dancing thing and she she falls off it at one point and you know it's all it's all really good and and she trips up as she's going into the into the hotel room there's lots of nice little bits of physical comedy as well as being sexy and to combine those two things must be very hard um so i think all of that's good but um there is something i think that at this point in the 90s in particular though where it kind of creeps in more and more where the idea of like you know women's sexuality becomes sort of fused more and more with the idea of performance like you know you there's it's when it's when all the kind of you know Ledette culture becomes really quite big and you've got um, films like Showgirls coming out and Striptease and there's a lot, you know, that's sort of like equated, you know, so in this there's a slight implication of like, oh, well, if she wants her husband to be more attentive to her needs then what she needs to do is work a bit harder. She needs to strip for him maybe, maybe <laughs> do a sexy dance while he, while he sits there. Yeah, it was the 90s. 
It was an, well, I think I was thinking maybe that I, this sort of played into why a film like The Full Monty, which came out a few years later, was such a massive hit. It's because The Full Monty is basically about men being put in the position that women are all the time, where they're being viewed and they're starting to get sort of self-conscious about their bodies and they're, they're worrying that they're not going to look sexy enough when um, women are trying to get aroused while watching them. So... Um, so yeah, there's a part of me that wants to sort of just shout at Harry and just say, just, you know, get up off your chair, ask her what she likes, tell her who you really are. <laughs> stop, stop getting her to work harder because she says that she's not stimulated enough. So, you know, in, in an alter, alternate universe, um, Harry is dancing for Helen and it's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger yes. <laughs> dancing. <laughs> And she's sitting there. That'll be a weird dimension. But um... well, that's the weird thing, isn't it? That Arnie. I was thinking that about Arnie as a star because I was thinking it's so interesting how his physicality was such a kind of massive aspect of what a massive star he was. But at the same time, he's got that, which is why he's so good as the Terminator, I suppose, is that he's got a slightly sort of non-human quality. But it does mean that Jamie Lee Curtis has to work her ass off in a film like this because she's got to bring all the humanity and all of the sexuality while he sort of does his Arnie thing. And I guess that was kind of the the aspect that he started doing the comedy movies in the late 80s with tools, yes. I think as you see from from the early films he did or the early big films where you know he was perfectly cast as a robot um and then in terminator 2 by by that point he was there were elements where he was starting to even there have some light moments as well but don't get me on terminator 3 but he um <laughs> but but there were parts of that where where here he's still how can I put it? Stretching the kind of comedy chops a little mm, bit. Um, yeah, yeah. You know the 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 scene where he's being tortured with the truth serum, and Helen takes advantage of that to interrogate him about a couple of things. Was it, he said, "Have you ever killed anyone?" He said, "Yeah, well, yes, but they were all bad." That kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. And then he he said in in very graphic detail what he was going to do to the the doctor and and the hired goons as as he planned his escape, but. Um, Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, no, that was good. That that's very that that scene is he's very funny in that scene. And actually, as you say, there, there might be something about the way he can deliver comedy in that way that makes maybe that's why it makes it work. And that whole dance scene that we were just talking about and stuff. I was thinking maybe if you, maybe if you had a couple that felt more real that the pairing of these two, then maybe it would feel too much. It would feel it would sort of play on your on your nerves in a in a bad way but maybe there's some there's something's always a little bit surreal about the presence of arnie in any scene isn't there and that kind of lifts lifts you out of thinking about everything too literally <laughs> which is good yeah. Um, yeah i mean i when i went to see the film i the scene where he tangos with tia carrera yeah is so strange and yet <laughs> you could see what they were going for in 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 the sort of the other plot with the the nuclear weapons and the spying in that mm. there hadn't been a bond film out at this point for 5 years yeah and we were still away a year away or so from from Pierce Brosnan as bond and oh wow yeah so you were in this sort of little kind of window where this was up for grabs and you had 
him doing proper Bond stuff, sneaking up, uh, taking a wetsuit off and wearing a tuxedo underneath. You know, Sean Connery actually did that. And dancing the tango perfectly with his attractive woman and you know being yes. very suave and smooth and and it was just weird that you see him so used to fighting and killing and shooting and everything and then he's doing these moves and subtly grazing the thigh as they do all this stuff to music and completely going against the point of being inconspicuous by tangoing in in a large ballroom surrounded by oil billionaires it's um it's actually quite actually quite <laughs> yeah. a current thing if you did it now i guess I think that um, Tia Carrera is a bit... Um, I, I think she could have been given a slightly better role than she is in this one. I feel quite protective over her <laughs> as a Wayne's World fan. Well, yeah. I mean, it's um, she's kind of used as a... Very similar to a, a Bond character. I'm not going to keep going on about Bond, but in that kind of femme fatale, she's really a baddie, but oh, she's attractive. And yeah. we, we do get something for the for the dads a bit later on towards the end when <laughs> her and Jamie Lee Curtis in tight dresses are fighting in the back of a limo oh, dear. yeah that, I mean that's that's almost a gratuitous a scene as the hotel room <laughs> yes yeah agreed agreed completely I mean it was dreadful dreadful um yeah but um yeah it's, not. Yeah, it's, it's terrible and yeah, you know, as again, we we like to talk about Wayne's World. Um, it was nice to see her and Charlton Heston, the the star, the real stars of Wayne's World too, in there. Yes, absolutely. Not, not, not together <laughs> on the on the other side, but uh, at, at least uh, yeah, it's nice, nice, nice little bit of symmetry there because Wayne's World two came out this year as well. So. Ninety four was oh, a yes, vintage year for cinema. It really was. Wow. Um, Speed came out in this year as well. Don't want to. I don't want to go on about oh. Speed. Which Bond film would you say this is the most inspired by? Because it's, as you say, definitely inspired by a lot of them, isn't it? Yeah, I think that there were bits of it where, I mean, we're in an era pre-Brosnan and, and Daniel Craig, and it was parodying a lot of the stuff around, you had some of the elements that Sean Connery had done, so the, the tuxedo under the wetsuit and things like that, but the kind of extravagant quite forward very brash in a way of of roger moore because he was he was the one who was when you think about the world's worst secret agent he would be the one that he'd stroll up at in a tuxedo and everyone would know who he was so there were elements of that where you know just being so open about it and no one cares you are who you are but it was it was a nice it was a nice nod and i think at that point as we were waiting for for another Bond film, it came along and gave us something. There were there were a lot of obvious nods to it. The the scene at the end where he fires and bear in mind as well that the villain Art Malik was also in a Bond film. Oh, which Bond? He film? was in The Living Daylights. He was actually Bond's oh, wow. kind of okay. ally. Yeah, so he was the baddie here, and we won't go into all the plot around baddies and that because that's a whole other podcast. But yeah, yeah. But um, you know, there are a lot of nods, nods to it. And when you look at now, and one thing that I I don't often think about men's toilets, but the scene, the fight scene in the men's room, where they basically smash it up, and you compare that to the fight scene in the toilet in the last Mission Impossible film. I've never seen cleaner men's toilets 
than these two rooms. <laughs> I mean, this one was one in a shopping centre, and you imagine, imagine a shopping centre in like Croydon or something like that. I mean, you wouldn't be swimming along the water in the floor in there. Oh, no, no, it's true. Yeah. So, and and again, you know, this this was something that they, I. I can't imagine there was a lot of thought about true lies when they wrote the last mission impossible but there was a big epic fight scene in a men's toilet in a nightclub there um right, but ended yeah. vaguely similar but yes. um, yeah i mean that was i mean that's a great film yeah that, i mean <laughs> there's a lot there but it, when you think about the ending of this film and the fact that after all she's gone through helen has seen harry at his harriest best he's single-handedly mown down this entire army of nameless stateless villains um mm. he's then gone and saved his daughter from the kidnapper in a in a harrier jet from a crane as you do yeah and then very little trauma evident because then she goes and joins him and they go off on missions together it's um it's an interesting turn it fe- uh, as a film, it feels as if it's one that's being set up for a sequel. Actually, I don't know what you thought. Yeah, I think so. I I I, I do wonder mm. whether that was kind of in their mind. And I know yes. Cameron then went off and did Titanic, so it might have been it might have been one of those where perhaps Schwarzenegger lost interest and Cameron moved on to his other thing. But um, yeah, it's, it it kind of it's left there, and and I do. You know, sometimes you look at films that go off to do sequels and you kind of think, oh, OK, you know, why do you need it? Why does everything need to be a sequel? Um, yes. But I think in hindsight, having this at one was a good thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, this is the kind of op- co- complex thing about it as a as a blockbuster in terms of the relationship is that I think that in comparison to some films I've seen of this genre, although I'm by no means an expert, as you as you know, there is something about the fact that it actually prods a little bit at you know his his wife's state of mind while he's off doing all of these things, her inner you know frustrations, her boredom. I quite like the way you know sometimes in these kind of situations in films where it's a housewife that's bored at home the implication is that she just has to get some kind of job and then she'll be stimulated and, and in this one it's more complex than that because she has a job but she's not stimulated she you know she wants a more exciting personal relationship and professional life so it's like working girl, isn't it? Yeah, they're showing they're showing her, you know, as as someone that you know whose problems can't be easily fixed, and I think that's really good. And and Jamie Lee Curtis is much more, yeah, she's got, you know, because she's she's such a great actress. She's she's got complexity and her own kind of um, as we've talked about her own her own agency, which um, makes her in some ways a kind of more satisfying leading lady than in in some of the romantic comedies we've watched, I think. Yeah. Even though they put her in these insane scenarios, she as a character is kind of great. Yeah, I think it it would have been quite... It wouldn't have worked if she'd been, not in a disparaging way, but someone who kind of either looks nice and is funny or an action star or she's there because of her fame 
Um, and yes, there were a lot exactly. of people in that boat around that time. I mean, we already jested about Sharon Stone or Demi Moore or something like that. But as you said, Jamie Lee Curtis has has previously shown a bit more range than yes. them, and and I think she is as important as as him, and in, in the way that. I mean, well, more so in the way the relationship's portrayed, if not the rest of the film. But, um, you know, she, she, he, he needed her. Yeah. And the, 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 la- the final scene of them doing the tango together, you know, is a, is, a really, is a really satisfying way to end it and really fun. And the fact that they... In fact, I'd say that's probably in terms of the two of them, that's the nicest scene, isn't mm. it, between the two of them to watch is that that is them dancing together at the end. So it's a nice it's a nice note to to end it on because I I don't really enjoy the kind of um the final half hour of the film very much. But I like that final that very final scene I like yeah. it better. But the book, because that's the thing, they kind of build up her character, but then when he goes to rescue his daughter, she sort of gets forgotten about again. She's not involved in that bit. No. And I kind of wish that, yeah, they should have kind of had her being, if they were going to do that final bit, have her be involved because because otherwise it sort of gets to be sort of Arnie saving the day again, you know, so they, they kind of lose the thread of what their point was meant to be, I suppose, in terms of the relationship between him and his wife. Yeah, I think, like, I, and I'm sure that the plain nuts will, will tell me off for this, but if they couldn't have found a two-seater version of that plane and she was his goose... I'll say no, Goose, because Goose died. But she was his wingman. Yeah. She was his Rio. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and she'd have been involved as much. I mean, without making it like a mummy does the emotional caring for the daughter while he kills the brown person. But it's mm. um, she's there as well because she's virtually forgotten about because she's just left at the side of the road while he takes off in the airplane. So, um, yes, exactly. So at least if... if and it would have been more of an amusing because there was you already got the bit where the daughter was hanging off the crane, sees him, goes, Dad? But I'm sure it yeah. would have been even funnier if they'd both been in there in this plane. Yeah, they'd had yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis flying the plane and done a speed. That would have been <laughs> yeah. great. And then, yeah, but it would have just left it open for some lame. I mean, we had these in Bond, like the backseat driver quotes, you know, they'd both been in there, but. Um, it would have, <laughs> it would have been amusing if they'd have found a way of being able to to engineer that, rather than having it just him yeah. and, and her left there as a kind of, her role is done, the marriage has been secured. You're fired. What does True Lies tell us about marriage? Be honest. <laughs> it's just easier. Just easier. Um, yeah. He's done well to keep this secret for so long, but uh, probably best if if he'd been open about it from the earlier days. You know, bringing a, a wife and a child into a, a into the world where you're not who you say you are. I mean, you shouldn't be defined by your job, but. What's going to happen, you know, if, if he dies in action? Yes, he was shredded by machine gun fire at the office, changing the toner in the printer. Um, <laughs> it would have been, and he gets a service funeral and all that. I don't know, but uh, what, what do you no, think? That would be her. Yeah, well, she said when um, Bill Paxton's character is putting the moves on her, she says uh, he puts his hand 
on her leg and she says sorry it's been a long time since anyone touched me like that so yeah i think harry has been very distracted yes so yeah that maybe the the moral is to be try not to be that distracted yeah so if anyone's listening to this for relationship advice Well, as we climb into the pilot seat while resolving to take up tango lessons, we leave you with the question, what kind of sick bitch takes the ice cube trays out of the freezer? I've been Kat. I've been Rich. And this has been Don't You Want Me? <laughs>